Welcome to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. You're here with uh, Mike and Jake, and we've got some interesting little crypto tidbits for you today. I'm starting off with Nexo, who offered to buy crypto pa- the crypto platform Bald following self-described financial challenges. So earlier this week, Singapore-based crypto platform Bald announced that they were suspending all deposits, withdrawals, and trading immediately. The financial challenges supposedly included a combination of volatile market conditions, financial difficulties faced by key business partners, and customer withdrawals in excess of $197 million over just the last month. Um, right after the announcement, global digital assets institution Nexo, or Nexo signed an indicative term sheet with Vold, giving the former a 60-day exploratory period related to the acquisition. So pending a good outcome, um, they intend to acquire up to 100% of Vald and accelerate their presence in Asia. So Nexo has mentioned that while it's aiming to provide immediate assistance and alleviate withdrawal limitations to put in place on Vault's platform, greater plans for the future are already in the making. And the aim is not to only protect Vault's existing customer base to the fullest extent possible, but also to give them access to an improved range of services. So Vault just raised $27 million last July from the likes of Pantera Capital, Coinbase Ventures, CMT Digital and Peter Thiel's uh, Valar Ventures. And, you know, obviously the crypto market has been going through it, uh, specifically over the last four or five months, starting out with, you know, the quick quick collapse of Terra and UST, and then Celsius Network pausing all withdrawals, which kind of led into cascading liquidations and 3AC defaulting on their loans. You know, from what we've heard, in our group and on you know Twitter and everywhere that we read articles and listen to YouTube and so on and so forth, you know crypto projects had a decent amount of money that was definitely tied up in UST being a you know at that point proven and one of the most used stable coins available. And with that collapse, I'm kind of expecting more of these stories to come out in the next three or four months. You know. Um, I'm pretty sure that Nexo was like a larger fish compared to Vald. So I definitely see them, you know, scooping up the smaller fish and expanding their user base and trying to get, you know, more users, not for free, but with less marketing and more from straight acquisitions. What do you, you have, uh, did you have a chance to read about this, Jake? Yeah, yeah, I dove into it a bit. Um, Nexo's definitely quite a bit bigger, as you mentioned. Vald went through almost 200 million in withdrawal requests, and they had to put a cap on that because that was breaking them. Meanwhile, Nexo, who's the acquirer here, um, I'm seeing from a different article that they have a debt obligation close to $5 billion, but they have 100% liquidity to meet it. So clearly, they are very well capitalized. Um, and they're, it's, it's, I feel like the only company we've been talking about going on a buying spree right now with these deflated asset prices has been FTX. So it's interesting to see another company. I mean, it really just seems like, uh, unfortunately, a common story about um, a company that overextended itself on its risk. And, uh, you know, uh, Vald was lending out a lot of crypto and the prices went down and they just, they got caught between uh, the assets and those loans being worthless and then people trying to pull money 
uh, from the platform. It's just a, that's a double whammy that I, I just don't think anyone's really set up to to weather. So the new plan to gain users, I mean, I hope it's not just to refill the coffers, you know, because that's been the knock on a lot of these projects, right? That it only works if you have more and more users to fund, you know, the old users. It's kind of a, like a Ponzi scheme. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I hope they can stop the bleeding and give uh, new customers a reason to buy in. And but um, I don't know. Like, so what do you think? Like, when a company comes in and buys, like a company like Nexo, or sorry, Vald, I mean, their reputation is a DOA. Uh, you know, they're they're India-based, but most of their customers are in U.S., so. Um, well, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest thing with me is, like, it's the same with, who is it, Voyager acquiring 3AC. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just kicking the can down the road. And in my opinion, just like prolonging the liquidation process, because as soon as that original company, whatever it is, you know, whether it's uh, Vald or 3AC, those customers are going to withdraw all of their money almost immediately because there's no trust Mm -hmm. in the platform anymore. So that's just going to cause more liquidations. And then the acquirers are going to lose more and, you know, they've got their liquidation prices down. I know that, I think I saw that 3AC is down to zero. You know, the price of Bitcoin Bitcoin can go to zero and they still won't be liquidated at this point. I forget how many millions they paid off to whoever. But, I mean, even an article that I saw earlier, you know, people are taking their crypto off of exchanges in crazy numbers to the tune of 151,000 Bitcoin just in June, which is the most since ever since bitcoin's ever been around in a monthly you know time span so i don't think the bleeding is done because people are leaving these you know centralized exchanges and the people that are holding their crypto they keep hearing stories about this and you know how you gotta have a hardware wallet and have a key in a safe place so on and so forth and i think it's finally getting through to some people but i don't think everyone Mm -hmm. understands yet yeah yeah, yeah, this this uh because I think you put it perfectly. These people that are locked up, they can't liquidate. Why are they liquidating? It's cuz they want they just want out. Like the risk appetite is gone. They need that money. If are you really going to come through and say, "Hey, but look at all these new services we got because we've been acquired by a new company." Maybe that works for some, but it just doesn't seem like the main issue here. So, um it can work though if you're um nexo and you have so much money on hand you can basically just be like all right y'all want out then we're gonna buy at extremely low prices we're here for the long haul and five years from now um we might be sitting on billions um so yeah and that's exactly it like i don't hate at all the capitalistic like fortitude this guy has just like going around and you know cleaning uh cleaning up the floors it's like uh the FTX CEO, he offered what twenty five million mm-hmm. for like I forget how big the company was, but it was fucking a lot bigger oh, than that. Guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one though, I mean, they talk about trying to expand into Asia, and like I said, they're Singapore based. They only have like I think like ten to fifteen percent of their users are in India. The majority are still in the U.S. So I don't know how much of a diversifier this is for a user base. Um, maybe it gives them a, a wedge in there. 
Um, I know India's kind of got their, we don't need to get into that. It's, it's a whole different issue. All right. Thank you for stopping. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, that's a saga in itself. But I mean, isn't it 1% out. on every yeah. transaction? Yeah. 1% on every transaction. And then like, th- yep, no, you're right. And then another 30% on profits. Um, oh, that's the last one I saw. So, um, and, but I don't know. It's, um, this could work out. Uh, it's just, it, this it seems like a story we're going to be seeing a lot more of. Uh, many smaller companies being snapped up by well-capitalized bigger companies. It's, um, I think it's going to be, a, uh, we're going to hear echoing stories of this for quite a while, to, which is what you said earlier. So Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we're about halfway through, so why don't we scoot over to my article. Uh, it's a little bit of like an update on something we've been talking about. Grayscale as uh whether it's the OG when it comes to offering Bitcoin and crypto, period, to people who didn't want to go out and own it directly. Uh, to catch everyone up, they offered a trust format, um, kind of like a mutual fund, but not really. But you could own a share in the Grayscale Trust, and then they would buy Bitcoin. So you could gain access without directly buying it yourself. They lobbied to have their trust turned into a spot ETF. Spot ETFs do not exist. There's one in Canada, but in the U.S., there's forward-based uh, Bitcoin ETFs, which are a little different. Um, the SEC is cool with the, the forward-based ones, not the spot-based ones. Um, and we can get into maybe why that is. But the important thing here is that they were rejected. They're not going to be able to turn their, um, you know, their golden goose, the Bitcoin trust, into a spot ETF. So they're suing now. And... Um, you know, there's a lot of legalese, a lot of uh, complaining, of course. They're going to, so like I said, they're suing the SEC. Um, so I have two things I wanted to talk about. First one, I think the motivations here are pretty transparent. Uh, Grayscale Trust actually trades at a discount, which means that as of May, one share of Grayscale represented a $26 ownership of Bitcoin, but was trading for $18. So... Sounds like a good deal. You're paying $18 for $26 worth of Bitcoin. But for the last year, the trust has been trading at a perpetual discount. And the reason is, unlike mutual funds and especially ETFs, there's no share creation and redemption system for them to arbitrage that difference away. The shares just became oversaturated. There's just too many. And there's so much selling pressure right now that there's really no way to arbitrage this away. Unless, of course, they change to an ETF, in which case there's very clear arbitrage mechanisms uh, that would almost immediately make the price of their shares go up. So that was that, that's my angle. I think that's why they're doing this. Um, did you have a chance to read this? What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, I mean, my first question to you is, you said we could get into this, so I'm getting into it. Why would the yeah. SEC allow futures and not spot? Like, what's the what's the... Because I know that the, the Todd Rosenbluth said that, you know, it's hard to convince the SEC that there isn't going to be fraud and manipulation. Um, like, how do you prove that? Like, isn't there fraud and manipulation in every market? So it all comes down to how the fund is going to buy these assets. Sorry, where they're going to buy the assets. So with a forwards-based ETF, you pay money to the ETF, you get a share, and then the fund has to go buy the asset that you now can claim ownership over, but it's through forwards and forwards train, uh, trade on regulated exchanges. Uh, 
regulated markets. Uh, so, but a spot ETF, in order to gain a spot exposure, you have to go buy the asset itself. So in this case, this hypothetical case, if you're the spot ETF, uh, again, you as the investor would pay money to get a share, but then the fund would have to go out and buy actual Bitcoin and hold it. And now you have custody issues because you're directly holding it. Um, and more importantly, uh, where they buy that, uh, that Bitcoin, it can be on regulated centralized exchanges or not. And so because you're buying in because you're buying Bitcoin, possibly in environments that aren't regulated, that's their big sticking point, whether you buy it or not. And of course, the custody issue comes into play, but those are their main reasons. Yeah, I mean, this is just a perfect example of why blockchain is needed. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you regulate, I mean, what I see in like an easy world for me, the SEC would just be like, all right, these are the 10 regulated exchanges that you're able to transact with and we're tracking everything, so on and so forth. And obviously they're going to be bad actors, but it's just like, it's crazy to me. Like you have to let something start off to be able to recognize and penalize the bad actors and like naturally improve an imperfect model. Like nothing is going to be, you know, exactly how you want it to be right off the rip. You got to work through the trials and tribulations. And I understand they're trying to, you know, protect regular consumers and so on and so forth. But um, I don't really understand why, like I, it said that Canada, Brazil, and other parts of Europe are showing promise for spot Bitcoin ETFs. I don't know if mm -hmm. any actually have them yet. Do you know? Canada does. I don't have the ticker on my, in my, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know what the ticker is, but yeah, you can buy it through Canada. Um, so I guess let me throw this at you, because when you have a forwards-based one, the assets in the portfolio are forward contracts. Um, with the spot, there is the risk that, again, you have to custody those assets. Um, and we've seen this, what, a, a million times over? Someone gets access to the ETF's keys. They abscond away with all of these, uh, the underlying assets, and all of a sudden, there's nothing actually held by the company anymore because they've been drained. So um, while that, that, that's still a big risk, right? So we yeah, haven't quite cause... figured out how to completely immunize, and it's usually social engineering, right? But we haven't completely figured out how to immunize from that yet. Oh, no, just ask Axie Infinity. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no shit, man. <laughs> but no, yeah, because I was thinking like, you know, put it, just put it on a hardware wallet. What are you talking about? But that is extremely inefficient, especially if you're trading spot, like you need that instant on the spot closure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the difficulty. Now, I don't want to be like, I'm not here carrying water for the SEC. I, I think there's, there's genuinely different risks on your approach, but um you know, it, it, it is a risk. Like you said, Axie is a good example. So, but I, I think there's a way they can do it. And if the, if the cost is that um, it takes a little more time, it's more, you know, maybe it comes with a high expense ratio. If that's but, and to those who are listening, you're probably like, just buy fucking Bitcoin if you want exposure. And I agree with you completely, but some people just won't. And this is how they want to buy it. And if they are willing to pay a higher expense ratio to pay, all these extra administrative costs and security costs, um, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's the compromise.
Right. And it's worth noting that, I mean, this is the first time they've been sued by one of the companies trying to get spot Bitcoin ETFs, right? That is my second point. And that is a perfect segue. And I believe now there have been many rejections, but yes, I think, and this is kind of conspiracy theory, but I, I think it's credible conspiracy theory. Um, I think considering the, a recent court case, uh, and through that went through the Supreme Court, um, it was the EPA court case, uh, the decision ultimately weakened federal regulators. In that case, it was the EPA, but the ruling ultimately found that a lot of the broad interpretative powers that regulatory agencies have, they don't actually have. Instead, most of their powers that they exercise have to be directly granted by Congress in a more explicit fashion. So after the EPA came out, a lot of people were like, oh, no, the EPA won't be able to you know, advance their climate change goals by uh, enforcing rules and all that. Um, but that has uh, repercussions for other enforcement agencies, much like the SEC, and this is going to weaken them. Now, maybe you're in favor of that, maybe you're against it, whatever. I'm not here to, to tell you which one's better. I'm just saying that if you're up against the SEC and a recent court case very clearly has weakened them, it might be a good time to try to sue them and get your way. So Yeah, undoubtedly. That was the fossil fuel and renewables thing, right? Uh, yeah, it was really just, um, I can't remember what the exact, uh, like point of contention was, but ultimately the ruling that came out from the Supreme court, um, you know, the, the main opinion really talked about, uh, the effect is that it, it really weakened just how broad these regulatory agencies could interpret the powers that have been granted to them without right. explicitly being written out by Congress. So, um, yeah, we don't know how this is going to work out, but, um, yeah, so maybe they get their way. Maybe they're, they sue, maybe this goes to the Supreme court. Um, yeah. Well, they got enough money to put up a good fight. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, this is not over. I mean, the spot ETF is there. It's just going to be, uh, more requests. Uh, obviously more lawsuits. So um, I view it as a matter of time, but we'll see. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. We appreciate everybody listening in to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. I think, uh, I think tomorrow we're actually hosting our YouTube show. I don't know whether that will be up tomorrow or next week, and I'm not 100% sure if we've announced the guest yet. So stay tuned, and we'll see you soon.